0: Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today we are joined by Rob Grange and Matthew Borkowski. Rob is the Associate Professor in the Department of Human Nutrition, Food and Exercise at Virginia Tech. Matthew is an Engineering Sales and Marketing Manager at Aurora Scientific, a company known for their solutions in functionality of muscle physiology, material science, and neuroscience applications. They're here to discuss the characterization of complete muscle function by combining lengthening, shortening, and isotonic contraction tests with traditional isometric twitch and tetanus measurements. Let's jump in.
1: Brian McIntosh asked during registration how to control length of the dual mode lever system. Matt, perhaps you can take this one. Thanks, Brian. That's a great question.
2: So... To control length of the lever system, on our our electronics box, there's an input port. And the way to make the lever mimic the movement that you want to have occur, whether it's a shortening, whether it's a stretch, at what rate, what you'll need to do is you'll need to apply an analog voltage into that port that basically has the profile or the shape uh, of the movement you, you want to elicit. Our instruments scale negative 10 to positive 10 volts. So that's uh, pretty standard in instrumentation. But of course you'll need some way to actually generate that voltage. With our levers, we recommend the use of our dynamic muscle control software which Dr. Grange actually wrote the very first version of it. And we've had a collaboration on DMC for, I guess, uh, over 10 years now, maybe even closer to, to 15. And the way that basically works is there's a data acquisition card in the computer, which can generate these output voltages. We program these standard stretches or shortenings through a program, which is written in LabVIEW. And you can deliver that to the lever system. What's really important, though, is you need to be able to synchronize these stretches or shortenings with any kind of stimulus pulses you're delivering. And to do that manually is really very difficult. So that's where having something like dynamic muscle control can really make your life a lot easier.
1: Perfect. That's a great answer, and I hope that satisfies Brian. Um, Just looking through our list, we've also had a few questions come in regarding sample viability, Uh, specifically how long should a test last for, you know, any one particular muscle or mouse, and maybe phrase another way, at what point is the viability of the muscle compromised from being either, you know, too long in a bath chamber or perhaps undergoing too many contractions? And Rob, I was going to ask maybe you take a first stab at this one and
3: share your thoughts. Sure. Happy to do that. So I, mean, I think without going to too much detail, viability of the muscle tends to be better if the temperature is lower. So we typically use 30 degrees, but other individuals use 25 and sometimes even 20 degrees. Of course, the colder the temperature, the further from physiologic temperature you get. Another important consideration is the assays that are used. You can't do every assay on every muscle because the uh, the muscle just cannot handle it. So for example, if you wanted to only look at fatigue, then that's all I would do is look at fatigue, you know, to do some fundamental determination of L-naught and determine that you have the correct voltage and correct pulse width and then only do fatigue. If you wanted to do more than fatigue, then I would do fatigue last. So you could do, for example, force frequency or stress frequency relationship first, potentially the force velocity and then the fatigue. A good way, I think, to determine the effect of the muscle being in the bath without being treated is to have a control muscle uh, which you hang and then only do a not determination twitch and uh, maximum tetanus, and then just leave that in the bath for the same period of time as your treated animal or treated muscle, and then periodically, every 15 or 30 minutes, conduct another tetanic and twitch contraction, and then you can determine if that just being in the bath is uh, affecting viability. I guess a final thought is that it comes with experience. In general, what I would tell my students is that if we start to see more than a 7 to 10% drop in a titanic response over time, then that muscle is done, and then we would have to stop at that point.
1: That's great. It's a very complete answer. Thank you, Rob. Uh, Matt, anything to add, or does that pretty much cover it? it?
2: It certainly covers it, Andy. I think I can think of one paper, notable one, from Don Lau, who you mentioned earlier, Rob, where they, they applied you know, a number of these different contractions. They did a you know, basic assessment of strength, so a few isometrics. They did some concentric contractions varying the velocity. They controlled the velocity rather than uh, controlling the force. And then I believe they did a, a battery of eccentrics. So the order in which you apply these tests are important. You wouldn't try to assess the maximal strength of the muscle after having done a fatigue protocol, for instance. But Rob, you're absolutely correct that, you know, that it's just to do everything can take too much time and, and puts too much stress on the muscle.
1: Perfect, very good. Another question Sonia has asked, can you use these type of transducer and motors on a stage of a microscope where the researcher would have the ability to follow other parameters, for instance, fluorescence? Uh,
2: absolutely, we have a whole range of test chambers. The one that, um, the one that comes to mind is our model uh, 801C. And we recently built a modification so that it could accommodate a dual mode lever system. We have other transducers, other motors, but this is the one that can be mounted on a microscope. It's got a glass bottom bath for visualization. So you're certainly free to mount it on an inverted.
1: Perfect. Another question, one of our audience members is interested if they can do power and force velocity relationship for a whole muscle.
2: Sorry, a force-velocity relationship for whole muscle?
1: Yeah. Can we do power and force-velocity relationship for whole muscle, or they continue, perhaps measure shortening velocity in whole muscle?
3: By whole it's muscle, starting... do you mean in vivo or whole muscle in vitro?
1: That's actually not defined. Maybe you guys could elaborate in if it's only capable in one, or if it is both, how it would be different?
3: Do you want to go first, Matt?
2: sure you need velocity obviously to define power certainly it's done uh, in vitro in whole <laughs> muscle i mean i mean i think rob you you demonstrated it in a few slides earlier on in your presentation when you were comparing EDL and soleus i can certainly think of you know several several papers and journals where it's been done in vivo i see it less done And I don't know if that's just because you're not looking at one particular muscle in vivo. Rather, you're looking at the aggregate group of muscles. Mind you, I don't see why it wouldn't be relevant. You know, physiologically speaking, our muscles, you know, are not working as, you know, individual units. They're working in groups. Certainly, I don't think it would be something that is, you know, not relevant.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rob, do you have anything to add?
3: Yeah, I just just wanted to clarify that you don't do a force velocity and a power assay. You, you actually do the force velocity assay, and then from that, you can determine power. So if I didn't make that clear in my presentation, I apologize.
1: Okay, very good. Another question, referring back to the stretch protocols that you discussed, uh, Ram, could this type of test be used in smooth muscle and or cardiac muscle?
2: Just to elaborate, you know, we were a little biased this morning. We focused mainly on skeletal muscle, but absolutely you're using lengthening or shortening protocols in cardiac or smooth muscle. They're different. The parameters of the protocols are different. But if we take the example, you know, of our own heart, it needs to squeeze to pump blood through your body. You know, we're interested in how the, the performance of the heart, how much work it's able to do, how much power it's able to generate. Certainly a work loop protocol is something you'll probably hear a lot about if you were to do, uh, were to look up papers describing functional testing of, of heart muscle. The velocity of, of shortening is, is something I can think of, you know, a few examples of in, in smooth muscle. So absolutely, these apply to, to the other muscle types aside from skeletal.
1: Great. And actually as an extension of that, so obviously physiological relaxation and I, I think the indication here is looking at measurements like tau for cardiac muscle, this would be at least in some way a possibility with specific setups that Aurora offers. Is that correct?
2: Oh sure. I mean I mean tau tau is, is something that is quite similar to Rob, I think briefly in some of his earlier slides I mentioned half relaxation time. You know, it, it's something that is similar or analogous uh, to that in cardiac muscle.